Hi, I'm Jen, and this is Gardening Out Loud. Thanks for joining me in the garden today. Today, it's Saturday, April 15th. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning and about, I don't know, 21 degrees because it has been a wild week. I was saying last week how fast things can happen in spring. But if you have summer in spring, things will just explode. And that's what we've seen this week when we've seen temperatures here around Toronto going up to 30. This is, you know, a little disconcerting, uh, but spring is at least variable. There are so many things I could update you on in the garden. In the spring garden, for starters, last week when we were talking, we just had baby daffodils. And now I have full-size daffodils in about five varieties. The muscari are really going for it. The hyacinths are in bloom. Things are looking so lush. I've been cutting a few daffodils to bring into the house, which is lovely, a little, bringing a little spring inside. And one thing to note if you're doing that is you don't want to put daffodils in with other flowers unless they've had time to soak on their own for a few hours because daffodils exude a sap that will damage your other cut flowers that you might put them in with. So daffodils are best kept on their own or left to soak for a few hours to get all that sap out and then they can go in with the regular flowers. Now me, I've been doing just daffodils, so it's not a big problem. But if you are caught in the spirit of spring cut flowers, something to keep in mind, especially when tulips start making their appearance. So let's get down close. One really wonderful thing that happened this week um, was a violet blooming. And we talked a little bit about violets last week and violets are kind of ordinary and pervasive. Um, but also one of the early spring blooms, also a native flower, also something that grows in shade and that is super hardy. Um, edible leaves, edible flowers. I love violets around here. I will let them spread everywhere. And the violets came to my garden actually through one of my colleagues probably about 10 years ago. He brought me a, like a plastic shopping bag of violets into the office just loose, loose chunks of violets dug up and thrown in a shopping bag. And I worked my whole work day and I went home and put them in the ground and they had no problem with that rough treatment. So another reason to love violets, but this violet in particular is special because the first violet to bloom in the garden this year is pure white. And I have never had white violets in this garden. So that is just one of those amazing surprises that the garden can deliver regularly, really. Um, I did have a kind of a freckled violet, which was purple and white. And so obviously some cross-pollination magic has happened and these violets emerged snow white. And I love that. I, 
it's, it's so thrilling to me to see that happen. Violets do cross-pollinate readily, so that's, it's, I suppose, something I could have expected, but something I didn't. Other neat things about violets are they, um, they do make seeds. Some of them spread by runners, too, under the ground. This, this is why they're such good spreaders. Another thing they do is they have exploding seed pods that will shoot seeds everywhere, very dramatic. And also they have a, a little part that ants like to eat. And then the ants distribute the seeds everywhere. And um, we have no shortage of ants in this garden. So that may be one of the reasons that violets are so happy here. But honestly, I think violets are happy most places. Other things that are happening. I can see some lily of the valley coming up. Lily of the valley is not loved by um, native plant enthusiasts, especially um, because it also spreads very readily and it becomes invasive. And I have a quite small patch of it. It does not get any special treatment. And so it remains quite contained. Um, and I'm kind of at peace with that right now because I do love it, love to cut some and put it in a little vase, although it's quite toxic for pets. So if you have a plant eater, don't be bringing in any lily of the valley. Also, interestingly, another one that makes kind of a sap that is real tough on the hands. You always have to cut it carefully, but maybe we'll get there when that's the time. Other things in the spring garden, I can see some wild geraniums coming up. This is only their second year, so I'm so glad to see their return. Who else has appeared this week? There's a columbine plant that I transplanted last year, and it is thriving, which is very exciting because supposedly columbines are one that you don't transplant um, or that don't transplant well, but this one seems to have survived so happy to see it another flower that likes to be in the shade so really happy to have it here oh we should smell the daffodils have you ever smelled a daffodil so what you might know is that some daffodils have scent and i have a few varieties so let's give them the sniff test yeah so that one has like kind of a light a little bit like lily magnolia floral scent. Let's try this one. Oh, this one, which is a very plain kind of yellow daffodil with trumpet, even more scent. Yep, it's not that far from a hyacinth. Um, and the hyacinths are also blooming readily. Oh, we should sniff one. Let's see. good. They can be, some people find them a bit overwhelming, but I like them. And these ones, you know, who've spent a few years in this garden that came from transplanted corner store bulbs, they're not the most full. So I find that their scent remains pretty manageable. Oh, here's some bee balm coming back up. That's fun to see. So this is wild bee balm. Great for our pollinators. Um, let's see. Who else is happening? One thing you might have noticed this week is that a lot of the woody plants are putting on, you can see buds on them or new growth. So things like 
the hydrangeas, the roses, um, the blueberry plants. These are all my raspberries. They're all putting out little adorable leaves. And um, that's thrilling. The trees themselves too are a little ahead of schedule because of this tricky heat. And um, we are imminently expecting the leafing here in this yard, at least on the Manitoba maples, which are not trees that I love having here. Um, also an invasive-ish tree. Ours are about, there's two of them, a male and a female, and they're ooh, three stories high. And these are trees that truly were not here when I started living here 12 years ago. So that shows how quickly they grow. And um, they have got their leaf bouquets ready. I expect they could pop in the next couple days. Luckily, the mulberry that we talked about, nowhere near leaf bouquet stage. It is a late leafer. And so that's good for the spring garden. And we're happy to see that uh, our linden tree out front also kind of falling in between those two. So we'll see leaves on in the front before out back. What else is happening? Um, if you have herbaceous perennials, that is plants that um, die right back down to the ground and grow up from the ground again every year, you're going to start seeing those um, poking up maybe from around where there might be silk stalks or leaves or cuttings from last year. If you dig a little bit, you will see stuff. So things like I have a yarrow, I have some echinots, I have um, peonies, although I have had a terrible time growing peonies. They've put up their little pink lobster claw shoots and I hope we're going to see them at least a little, something that's not just like a few sickly shoots this year. This garden has not been a great place for growing those. I love seeing the sedums right now, putting out their beautiful mounds of rosettes coming through the soil. An absolute delight. My hascap berries, which were an experiment I started last year, um, are leafing out. And that is really exciting. They look super healthy. Um, they, I didn't plant them in the most advantageous spot. Oh, in fact, this one has got little flowers out already. Like, come on, how are you flowering so soon? I love to see it. Let's look inside the compost. So this is the time of year where the soils are thawing, worms are coming up from hibernation. They kind of do a thing where they either, they dig down low in the soil and they kind of freeze over the winter. And as I'm doing a little digging around in the soil here and there, I am noticing some worms. It's great to see they're awake, but where the mother load of worms are is in the compost. So I have one, a couple of those, um, they're called earth machines. Sometimes they look, kind of look like a Dalek, these um, black cylindrical composting machines. And I alternate them. Um, you know, I fill one for about six months and then the other for the, about six months. And so, I look at the one I stopped filling in the fall and I take my pitchfork in and I turn it. There are hundreds of worms in here. 
just one pitchfork, an outrageous number of worms. And this is for a couple of reasons. One is that this is a, a feast. Uh, it's a great bed and breakfast for worms. And the other is that uh, this thawed first before a lot of the ground. So they've really got a head start and there is all kinds of life in here, not just the worms. I mean, we like to talk about worms, but there are kind of pill bug type things, which I learned the other day aren't actually bugs. They are crustaceans um, that evolved to live on land and they still have their gills, in fact. So bug is a total misnomer. And of course, there's all kinds of life that I can't see beneath the soil, or I can't see with the naked eye, I should say. Microbes and fungi and all kinds of wonderful things happening in this, turning it into fuel for the garden in nature's, some, some of nature's most beautiful recycling. So if you have a compost pile, I would suggest getting in there and turning it, getting some oxygen. Oxygen helps it break down, needs some air to make it happen, and also take some time to look at it and look at the whole universe that lives inside your compost bin. I had a great education in that last year when my five and a half year old garden apprentice was here and he was totally absorbed by the contents of the compost bin. We together probably looked at what was happening in there for 15 minutes. And when as an adult have I looked at the compost for 15 minutes? Never. And I just tried to absorb his fascination with the compost um, because it is, it's a miracle. It is a model for how our world could work if there were no waste and we just turned things back into usable, nourishing, regenerative fuel for new growth. Composting is amazing. So, you know, look at the, smell your daffodils, look at your beautiful herbaceous perennials emerging, and maybe take the time to dig around in your compost and appreciate it. <gasps> A bumblebee. This is the first bumblebee sighting of the year happening right now. Oh, hello, my friends. Welcome back. This place will be swarming with bees, not to brag, um, you know, a month from now, maybe two months. It's not just exciting to have seen that bumblebee because it's the first of the season and the first of anything is exciting. There is a good chance that we just saw bee royalty. So we possibly saw the queen because with bumblebees, only the queens will overwinter. The rest of the colony dies off. They're, they're not bees that live in a hive like honeybees. Literally the um, queen is the only one left and she 
will go off in the fall and make her hibernaculum, which is a awesome word. That is to say, she finds her place to hibernate. She spends the winter there. And then when spring arrives, she wakes up and she will lay some eggs to grow herself some workers. And those worker bees are the ones who will get to work gathering pollen. And she continues to lay eggs to grow the colony. The worker bees will lay some eggs too later on, some of them. But basically, all of the bumblebees that we see each year start with, you know, one queen in the colony. And I'm not like one in the whole city, but you get what I mean. It's not like 100 bees go to sleep every year and 100 bees wake up. One bee goes to sleep every year, and then several hundred emerge over the course of the season. And that last year's queen will then die and the new queens will start the cycle anew for next year. So we maybe just saw the mother of so many bees that we're going to be seeing throughout the season. And I think that is super cool. One last important note before we go is that especially with this warm weather, it can be very tempting to remove any leaf mulch, to, to clean up, to clean up the garden. And it's just not time yet. Hold off a while longer. There are a lot of insects that are still hibernating in that leaf litter, in those hollow stems under the ground. We don't want to disturb them. So I know this is the time of year where you're dying to do some garden tasks. And they just say, wait a bit longer. If you need to clear an area to plant something from seed, do that. Sure. Move some aside. That's not a big deal. But you know, a lot of things like your spring bulbs or your garlic or all those kinds of things will just grow through the leaves. Right now, my garlic is growing through all its mulch and same with all my tulips and things like that. So don't worry. Nature finds a way. <laughs> Um, and just wait a little longer to give our insect friends some time to sleep a little in. Let, let, let's hit this news button a few times on behalf of our insect kin. Well, I think that's enough for today. I am wishing you a wonderful week ahead. And... I hope you can enjoy all the little small glories that are there, even as the cold weather comes back for us. Talk to you next week.